Hey, I, God's just been speaking to me how much he loves you. Do you know how much he loves you this morning? I wish I could communicate it, but he does so much. He's for us, and I know uh, Doyle, as he was singing, alluded to this. There's trial, there's temptation, and we just heard from our brothers in India suffering, but did you see the joy in A.B.'s face as he said, our confidence is in the Lord. <laughs> and that's, that's what my prayer is today, is that through the word that we would listen, that we would hear how much he loves you, how much he's for you, and we can have confidence, whatever's going on, whatever you're facing. So we're going to be in 1 John. We're continuing our series uh, through 1 John. And um, what we're going to look at today, the second half of chapter 3 won't make sense if we don't understand the first half of chapter 3. So so if you missed Nick's message last week, this this won't make any sense, but we're going to allude back to it because it has to do with a miracle that only God can do in our lives, which is birth, new birth, the miracle of birth, born again. And if we haven't been born again, the rest of chapter 3 will make no sense. <laughs> it's, it won't be possible. But if we're born again, it's possible. So before we read it, uh, in a few minutes, um, one of the special parts of life is uh, we have siblings. And you think about your siblings, and you're, there may be feelings of joy, but there may be feelings of, of uh, God, why did you give me them? <laughs> why did you give them to me, right? We don't get to choose our siblings. We don't get to choose who our brother or sister is. And remember, 1 John is written to the church. And he refers to us as children, children of God. God's our father. And as children, we are referred to each other as brothers and sisters, (laughs) siblings. And we're going to be reading about a pair of siblings, Cain and Abel. And then I'm going to be talking about another pair of siblings, Mary and Martha, Um, And a lot of times when we have siblings, there's conflict, there's struggle, there's differences. Uh, I have three boys, and there's there's many times, many days, where I see a look in their eyes, and I think, they're going to kill each other. (laughs) They're going to kill each other because they have that look in their eye, right? And uh, it would be easy for me as a father to say, what's wrong with my kids? But if I look back... I can look back at times where I wanted to hurt my brothers. (laughs) In fact, that's how I came to know Jesus, because as a boy living in Denver, Colorado, I was out playing with my brother, and it was a beautiful Colorado sunny day, and we were playing outside, and we started fighting about something. I can't tell you what we were fighting about, but I was mad, so mad I picked up a rock, and I threw that rock as hard as I could and hit him right in the head. Fortunately, he survived. (laughs) But why did I throw a rock at my brother? And I I struggled with that question. Later that day, I was sitting outside, same Colorado sun, brilliant day, with my back to a tree, tears running down my face. And I said, God, why did I throw that rock at my brother? And my my parents had always told me that Jesus died on the cross for sin. I'd heard that many, many times, but it never, never connected with my heart until that day. Because as I was sitting there crying, I realized I was the sinner. 
because I was capable of being so mad at my brother that I could pick up a rock and throw it at him. And I said, Jesus, save me. (laughs) Save me. And a miracle happened that day. What chapter 3 of 1 John talks about, a birth happened that day. I, I was alive. I was breathing. But, but until that moment that day, I did not understand that I needed salvation. I needed a miracle to change who I was inside. And I cried out to Jesus, and something extraordinary happened because I was so upset. But then the peace of God came into my heart. And I knew without a shadow of doubt that day that my sin was forgiven. <laughs> Because I knew that Jesus heard my cry. He heard my cry and he forgave me. And he made me new. Now, it would be a lie to say I haven't struggled with anger towards my brother since that day. (laughs) There's been times I've been upset with him. But something changed in my heart. I was made new. I was born again. And that's what 1 John talks about, is being born again. But we have these siblings, (laughs) these brothers, these sisters... And so 1 John has a message for us because we get this idea as a church that, hey, we go to church, but the Bible tells us church isn't a place that we come to. It's a people we belong to. We belong to. Why? Because we have a father who adopted us. We were born into a new family, a blood. We sang about the blood that binds us together, a blood that we share in forgiveness and redemption. It's a people we belong to. It's not a service that we consume. We don't come here just to get something. No, the Bible says the church is the people we belong to and it's a place, it's a service that we give. It's a place we give. We offer ourselves up to him as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, Ben, Pastor Ben, I have nothing to give. If you have breath in your lungs, you can give a praise. You can give a shout. You can give thanks. In fact, Jesus said even the rocks would cry out if we failed to give praise to God. We all have something to give. We have a praise to give. Would you stand with me as we read 1 John chapter 3? We're going to start in verse 11. For this is the message you heard. Thank you, Doyle, for that song about hearing God's voice. This is the message you heard from the beginning. And I believe he's talking about the beginning of our new birth. In context, it's the beginning of our life, new life in Jesus Christ. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters. And that's what we are, brothers and sisters. Do you know you're a brother, you're a sister, a child of God? If the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. In fact, Jesus said to even have anger in your heart towards a brother and sister is like murder. And you know that that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Isn't that interesting? It's not a place we go to, but it's a reality in us. It resides in us. Eternal life. Jesus, the Spirit of God, in us. 
This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. Circle verse 19. This is one of the key verses in this whole chapter. This is how we know that we belong. We belong. We belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Oh God, thank you for your presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he's commanded us. The one who keeps God's command lives in him. That's abides in him. Same word in John 15, abides in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. You may be seated. Thank God for his word. <laughs> I needed this word this week. <laughs> and I believe God wants to minister this word into your heart today. May he help me to communicate it. So it's interesting, uh, if you go back to the Cain and Abel story, um, what was Cain focused on? His brother, right? He was upset by his brother. Who was Abel focused on? On God, right? Abel's attention was on God. <laughs> he was bringing an offering to worship God. And so as we're here this morning, the question is, what, where's our focus? Where's our priority? What are we looking at? And Cain was looking not at God. He was looking at his circumstances. He was looking at his brother, and he was bent out of shape. He was bent out of shape, and he became angry. But I love this story because, remember, this is after the fall, but God comes to Cain, God pursues Cain. God pursues us. God pursues every single living being because God loves and God is good. And he desires that no one should perish, but that all should have life. And so he came to Cain and said, be careful, Cain. Be careful. Your focus is on the wrong thing. Be careful. And I believe this passage here this morning is written to us as believers I believe 1 John is all about the assurance of our salvation. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I believe God keeps you. We can't hold on hard enough, but God can hold on to us. He's got a hold of us. But we need to listen to God. This is a warning. Be careful. Do not be like Cain. Do not be like Cain. We belong to God. We are his children, and he invites us to the miracle of new birth. But this passage, I believe, um, speaks to us over the miracle that only God can do, but I believe it also speaks to something that only we can do. 
that God cannot do, that only you can do and only I can do. And God cannot do for us, but we have to do ourselves. So God has a part, and we have a part in this passage. And so this morning, I want us to think about what God can do and what he's inviting us to do this morning. The reality of our hearts is something that is a gift from God because we have been created in the image of God. We have, we have bodies, but we also have this internal reality, the spiritual part of who we are as people. And I love that in the Sermon on the Mount, that's what Jesus addresses when he talks about anger, right? He says, he says, be careful about your heart towards your brother, your sister. Be careful how you think about them. Be careful how you respond to them. And this is what he's talking about in this passage. He's talking about our hearts and how we think about each other. So, uh, as many of you know, I came from uh, Minnesota, and uh, in Minnesota, I, uh, I learned something that I love today, uh, gardening, uh, because in Minnesota, there were no mountains to climb or bikes to ride down hills, <laughs> right, Tom? And so I had to learn uh, to enjoy something that Minnesota had. In fact, I, I tell my wife that Minnesota is the promised land for three months out of the year. <laughs> For three months out of the year, the ice recedes and you can see the rich black soil <laughs> of that beautiful land. And I learned that uh, you could work that soil and you could grow anything in that soil. That soil was rich. In fact, I would go out and uh, I'd work the soil and I'd put my kids when they were little, I'd sit them right next to the, the garden and I'd be working, I'd look over, and they would just be grabbing fistfuls of dirt and just put in their mouth, drool, dark, muddy drool, rolling down, just the biggest smile. That's how good the soil was. You could eat it. <laughs> That's how they got their minerals, right? Rich black soil. Then I moved to Rapid City, and I said, I want a garden here. <laughs> And so uh, I surveyed the property where God placed us, and I put my first shovel full, my first shovel, and I only made it about this far, and I hit rock. <laughs> and I discovered soil here in South Dakota is nine parts rock, one part soil. <laughs> a lot of rock. But I said, there's a way. There's a way to grow stuff here in Rapid City. And so I looked at all the different kinds of soil, there was never no soil like we had in Minnesota, but I said, there's, there's got to be a way to grow something here. And so I looked around and I found a spot, but I couldn't grow anything the first year. I had a lot of work to do. I had to clear all the rocks out. I had to clear all the weeds out. I had to add nutrients to the soil, and I worked that soil. I cultivated that soil for a whole year. And then for a second year, I grew just a tiny bit but this year, I had a harvest. <laughs> in fact, I have some butternut squash back here that I grew. In fact, I had so much butternut squash that I could give away butternut squash for the first time here. In Minnesota, I would have bagfuls of, of produce that I could just give because I had so much of abundance. I had so much to give, so much to bless with. And this is the first year in Rapid City I was able to give something away. Why do I tell you that story? Because Jesus told a parable 
And you guys know it, the parable of the soils. And what was he talking about? He was talking about our hearts. He was talking about a farmer who spread what? The seed, the word of God. What is John talking about here this morning? The message you have heard. The message you have heard. And so here's the, here's the powerful thing that, that God does. This um, butternut squash, and are there any doctors here? In case I cut off my finger, I, I might need help. I want to show you something here. And butternut squash is pretty, pretty hard. We'll see if I can get it through. Oh boy. Okay. God's word is like a seed. In fact, Nick talked about last week about the power of a seed. This is what God does. We can't, we can't produce the miracle of a seed. In fact, this one seed, I, had, I probably had this one seed, I probably had seven or eight butternut squash from one seed. How many seeds do you think are in here? I haven't counted, but I would imagine there are hundreds of seeds. Do you know how many people could be fed, could be blessed with this one seed? You know how delicious this butternut squash is? I can smell it up here. <laughs> it's wonderful. The power of a seed is amazing. God's word is powerful. It produces life. It produces blessing. It gives provision. It gives us everything we need. God's word is a seed. But here's the part that we need to cultivate, is our own hearts. What kind of soil is our heart? This is what he talks about here. When he says, when he talks about we need to believe in him, right? This is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That is the cultivation of our hearts. And that's not an easy thing, because believing means you are trusting, you are believing with everything that you are that what God has said is true. That is the cultivation of our hearts. And so that means, I believe, when Jesus talked about the soils, it means, it doesn't mean that you are destined to only be rocky soil or hard soil or weedy soil. It means that you need and I need to cultivate our hearts so that we can receive the blessing, so we can receive the word, the miracle of birth, the miracle of God's seed in us producing what we cannot do on our own, producing the fruit, the blessing, the love, laying down our lives for others. How is this possible? The seed of God, the seed of his Holy Spirit in us. But some of you here this morning, you have rocks in your heart. Because you're hearing, even this morning as we read, even if you're listening to me, there's, there's so many rocks in your heart that you're going to leave today and nothing you heard today will make any sense. And you won't even think about it again. You'll just go on about your business. And you won't have received what God could do in you. Some of you here have hard hearts. <laughs> and you hear this, and there's nothing that that seed can do to penetrate 
there's no room for God in your heart. And some of you have weedy hearts and you hear the word and it makes sense and you receive it, but your life is so full of other things, of other loves, other passions, other desires, that God is just one of many in your heart. He's not your first love. You're distracted. You're worried. You're anxious. You're pursuing lots of other things. But here's the hope in that, because even if your heart is full of rocks, even if it's hard, even if it's full of weeds, because my heart's been there too. <laughs> I've had period of my life, my life where my heart has been that way too. Here's the miracle. If we hear and we receive what God has said, as it says, if we believe in Jesus, like I did on that day in Colorado where I cried out and said, Jesus, I am the sinner. I need you. God promises to plant a seed. And a miracle will happen that only God can do. He will produce in us life and blessing and love. And instead of hatred and anger and bitterness and resentment, our life will be characterized by what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We will be able to forgive. We'll be able to be the kind of people who can give and bless. We will have an abundance. We'll have fruit to share. We'll have room for people to love them. And brothers and sisters, we are living in a time where it's so easy to be a king, right? There is so much division. There is so much anger. And I'm not just talking about out there. I'm talking about in here. People have such strong opinions and so much judgment towards their brothers and sisters. And we're fighting about all kinds of things. We're turning against each other. And I read this passage and it says, do not be like Cain, because that's not who we are. We're not the kind of people who God saved and redeemed and planted the seed in our hearts to be angry and bitter. That's not who we are, because it says in chapter three, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. You are a child. You are a child. Believe it. Receive it. Prepare the soil of your heart. It might take a year. It might take two. It might take three. But work that reality out in your heart so that you can receive the seed of his love in your heart. And this is what verse 19 says. And I want you to think about this because Cain became a restless wanderer. Abel he died, but he lives <laughs> because we are eternal beings. And it says in Hebrews that the blood of Abel speaks and Abel speaks and eternal life resided in Abel. Abel belonged to God. He was God's man. You can be God's man. You could be God's woman. And it doesn't matter if you lose. Paul said to live or die. I have Christ. Death isn't the issue. The issue is, where is our hearts? And this is what verse 19, this is how we know we belong. 
whose we are to the truth because we have set our hearts at rest. Cain was restless. Abel was able to rest. Brothers and sisters, let's rest in his presence. <laughs> this world is crazy. There's a storm raging, and there's a storm all around you and all around me. But brothers and sisters, we can be at rest. Did you hear A.B. share this morning? That's rest. I have confidence in the goodness of God, whether it's hunger or persecution, if it's a virus, even if all my neighbors are, 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 are angry, it doesn't matter. I can rest in God. He's with me. He's in me. I belong to him. I have confidence. My, my heart, the soil of my heart has been prepared. And I want to end with this story. Mary and Martha, two sisters. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that Cain and Abel, two brothers, Mary and Martha, Jesus loved Mary and Martha. He spent a lot of time with Mary and Martha. He would go to their house. He would hang out with them. He would eat with them. He loved their brother Lazarus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And there's this really interesting story about Mar Mary and Martha. Jesus is over at their house. And Martha, she's busy. <laughs> she's serving. And, and by the way, there was nothing wrong with her serving. Like she was giving. She was worshiping. But here was the problem with Martha. What, what was she looking at? What was she worried about? Where was her focus? Just like Cain. It wasn't on God. It wasn't on Jesus. She was worried about Mary. <laughs> she said, Jesus! Tell Mary to get to work. Look, can't you see? We have all this stuff to do. Tell her it's not fair for her to be sitting there. Her focus got off, got off track. And what was Mary doing? Her focus was on Jesus. She said, I just want to be with Jesus. Her heart had been cultivated to believe, to receive the greatest gift Jesus himself, his presence. Where does our rest come? Our hearts are rest in his presence. And so Mary, Jesus said, Mary, you chose what is better. You chose what is better. And if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, what does it say of Abel? He brought a better sacrifice. A better sacrifice. Here's what's better this morning. <laughs> and here's the invitation to us that we might, we might be like Abel, we might be like Mary, and that we would choose Jesus. That we would choose Jesus to believe in his name, to believe in his name, to put our trust in him, to put our, our worship in him, to put our priority in him. And then, and then we can be free from the, the angst of of anger and comparison and saying they're wrong or they're right or then we then we don't have to be in the place of judgment then we can be in the place of freedom and in the place of freedom what does it say we can abide in God right and he and us and and he and God and uh, and them and us and this is how we know he lives in us because he gave his spirit to us we're going to end with this God's Spirit is in us. Brothers and sisters, this is our opportunity to love the way Jesus loved, 
to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And how is this going to be possible? If we get our priorities in order. If we rest in the presence of Jesus. If we become worshipers of him, then the seed, the miracle of birth comes alive in us and we're free to love. We're free to forgive. We're free to give. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your voice. Lord, I don't know what people are going through here, but you do and you love them and you've given them everything they need for life and godliness. And so I pray right now in Jesus' name that the works of the devil will be destroyed, that bitterness and anger would be destroyed in every heart in this place, that God, we would remove the rocks, that we would plow up the hard soil, that the weeds would be pulled, and that God, we would be able to receive the miracle of birth, of love, and that God, we would be the kind of people that can shine in a dark, stormy world. I pray this in Jesus' name.